Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. So, been a very busy week around here. We launched all the full, all the full, that's not English, the full library of common sense sleep courses. So if you were on my email list or you follow me on Instagram, you are very well aware of this. Um, but it's been very exciting and I've been so humbled and thrilled to see how many of you have jumped in and gotten into the newborn course, the newborn sleep and feed foundation, as well as the toddler course, which is the toddler and big kid sleep roadmap um, to join their little friend, the baby sleep and schedule course. So, but I'm not here to talk about the courses specifically. I wanted to talk about something that comes up often with my clients that is impacting their ability, confidence, all of that to make sleep changes. Um, And that is their own experiences as a child. So the parents' experiences. And I think this is really important because it's something that comes up, I would say much more so with my toddler and big kid clients. So those who are, you know, two or older with babies, that's a whole different ballgame, right? There were often, if I'm talking about there being something with the parents' own experience that's impacting what they're doing with their baby. We're usually thinking more like PPD, PPA, there's a traumatic birth experience, infertility issues, things like that. But when it's bigger kids, kids who can talk, it's oftentimes some sort of deep-rooted issues, if you will, coming, coming up from their own childhood. So what this often will look like. And, you know, I, I ask these questions in my intake because it's so important and it's so common. Something like, I wasn't allowed in my parents' room when I was a kid, like at all, full stop. And I always felt so isolated, like, why can't I even come in your room? So I feel bad and I want to let him sleep in our bed because I don't want him to feel like he's not welcome in our room. He, he is welcome. Or I was really neglected by my dad as a kid and I don't want my son to feel like his dad's neglecting him. So telling him he has to stay in his room or he has to stay in his crib, like I know how it felt when I was a kid and I wasn't able to be with my dad and I don't want my son to feel that way, right? Other times there was enmeshment issues and families are feeling really worried that because they're co-sleeping, because they're letting their kid dictate that they stay in their room, that they are creating some sort of codependence and they're worried that that's going to be replicated in their own life, right? So there's like all these different things that can bubble up. And here is what I will say often happens and I try to talk through with clients. We have a tendency as parents to overcorrect, right? So we felt that our childhood experience was one extreme and we're going to make sure it's the opposite for our kids, right? So my parents, you know, I'm not speaking about myself. I'm giving client examples. You know, my parents... Um, I I was in a be seen and not heard environment. I literally wasn't allowed to talk. It was like silent at the table, finish all your food. So I'm going to be very permissive with my children. Maybe the parents don't intend it to be permissive, but that's what happens, right? It's like, I wasn't allowed to do anything. Therefore, I'm going to let my kids do a lot. We have a tendency to kind of go the extreme. We also have a tendency to overthink when we make decisions that we feel like reflect what our parents did. I yelled at my kids today. I snapped at them. My mom used to yell at me every single day, and I it really traumatized me. Look at me. I'm turning into my mom. Here I am yelling at my kids. So 
the issue that comes up with both of these things, and this does tie to sleep. I'm not just like being your therapist here. Um, what happens with both of these is, of course, if we're overcorrecting, we're creating a new problem, right? Your parents wouldn't let you speak, but you let your kids interrupt and talk over you and don't tell them that's not okay. And that's a new problem, right? Or, you know, my mom yelled at me. I hated it. I yelled at my kids. Is that really because you're being your mom or is that because every mom gets frustrated and every mom has a day where they yell and they think I'm a crappy mom because we're human beings and we make mistakes, right? So we tend to we tend to overcorrect and overthink those things. So how this ties to sleep and just a way to frame this for yourself, if you're thinking of embarking on making changes with your child's sleep and some of this resonates with you and you're like, yeah, I kind of do feel like this sometimes. Remember that your kids are a reflection of you. Yes, as in like if they are biologically yours, they have some of your DNA. They, they might be, you know, you might have a kid who's really outgoing and goofy the way you are. You might have a kid that's pretty shy and nervous the way you are. But more often when things are coming up and they are acting in ways that you're like, oh my God, this is how I felt as a kid. It is more a reflection of their environment than like their innate self, right? If your three-year-old tells you they're terrified of their room, I would take a step back and I don't know you and your situation and you might be like, you're wrong. I actually have a three-year-old with anxiety. It's, it's possible. But I would take a step back and say, is this because my child is at three is really so predisposed to anxiety that they are genuinely terrified of their room? Or have I inadvertently created a habit where they have cried or not wanted me to leave the room? And I've said, are you scared? Do you see a monster? Mommy's here. There's no monsters. I'll stay with you for five minutes. You've blurred the lines. You've given them an open door into if you tell me you're scared of things, I will stay here. I'm not necessarily setting a super firm boundary. Sometimes I will stay in the room with you. Sometimes I get frustrated and shut the door. I'm not thinking about what's happening during the daytime. We have a lot of screens. We have maybe a nap at a weird time, right? There's all these like other things that could be going on. This is the type of stuff that I'm working with toddlers on. And all of this, I'll be clear, is in the toddler and big kids sleep roadmap. It is not just about like what your bedtime should be. I talk about all this stuff because I think it really matters. Um, and thinking through other other pieces in play that are giving my child the words to say, I am just terrified of my room and I have, you know, I'm so anxious about it. Because I will tell you so far, you know, eventually, eventually someone will will test me. But so far, anytime a family has come to me with stuff like that, we've been able to fix it through those things, right? It isn't just I have, you know, this severe anxiety child. It's all these little pieces that are not quite in place yet. So I would think about that when you're noticing your child behaving in a way that's reflective of your childhood or you're afraid that it's going to turn into something negative that happened in your childhood. Because your confidence gives them confidence. This is such, that's like a mantra I say to my clients. You have to feel like your kids are capable of doing something in order for them to feel capable of doing it, right? If you're being wishy-washy, it doesn't teach them to be firm. If you're being, if you're giving mixed messages, it's not teaching them what's clear. It's not setting a clear boundary. And I think the reason this is really hard when you, with kids, it is, again, it's very different from babies. It's hard with kids because they can talk back to you. 
right? And they can say, you're mean. Why are you doing this to me? I'm so angry. You don't love me. Well, I mean, what I'm, I've heard all sorts of crazy phrases, you know, that first day. And I think the reason, besides just them talking, the reason, especially as kids get a little bit older, or if you have a particularly precocious toddler who's very verbal, it's hard because they seem really rational and they're not. Especially if we're talking about like a four-year-old or a five-year-old, there'll be days, and I'm sure if you have a child this age, you know what I'm talking about. You'll have days where like you're practically having an adult conversation. You're like, I should take you out to lunch and we're just going to like chit-chat and shoot the shit and like you're a big kid. And then the next day they're melting down because you, you know, didn't wash the one pair of shorts they wanted, but you have an identical pair of the same size and they won't put it on and they're like losing their minds, right? That's not rational because they're four and five and they're growing and they're not quite an adult yet. But that's very hard to remind yourself when you've had moments with them where they kind of seem like an adult and they seem like they really have it together. And like, maybe you should be negotiating and rationalizing with them, but you shouldn't because they are people. They are people who deserve their feelings to be validated. They are people who deserve to be heard, who deserve to voice their opinions, but they're not your peers. That's where it gets tough. Um, They're not your peers. You're still the parent. So I'm kind of bringing this full circle to the whole overcorrecting thing. Remind yourself if it resonates with you that you were in a household where it was very strict, um, where you felt like there was like no autonomy and it was just like, do as I say and be quiet, that there is a happy medium between that and like letting your child run the show in your house, which is literally a question I ask of my clients. Who runs the show in your house? Be honest. Is it you or them? And the answers are all across the board. The best thing you can do is set loving, firm boundaries when it matters and then relax on the things that don't matter, right? So if it really matters when they go to bed, which it should for every parent, it should matter when bedtime is on a daily basis, that's something firm that you're setting. When it is 7.30, we are going upstairs to get into bed. I love you. This is the rule. We're not we're not negotiating this. But when you get up there, if they want to pick the book that they read or they pick which pajamas they wear, is that something we can release, right? Maybe not negotiating for 20 minutes what time you're going to have to go to bed. But then when they get upstairs, you're just so frustrated. You're like, put on the truck pajamas, right? That That's a confusing boundary, right? Like, why does it matter so much what PJs they wear? It matters when they go to bed, right? And I mean, listen, you you decide what the things are that are important, not me. But thinking through it that way. And remembering too, if if we're tying into the whole, they are people but not your peers, remember that there's also a balance between validating their feelings and explaining things, especially if you're making a sleep change, right? You are validating like, I know you don't want to go to bed now. I know in the past you've been able to stay up on your iPad until mommy and daddy go to bed, but that's not good for your body. Your body needs to rest so you can grow big and strong, like however you would phrase it to your child. And guess what? They might still be like, but why? My body's fine. My body was already growing even when I went to bed at 10 p.m., right? Like they, they'll they'll find a way to, <laughs> to get around whatever you say. And guess what? It's okay then to say, I've explained it to you. I love you, but that's the rule. You don't have to like pull out a, a 10-page essay at, to like convince them to see your point of view. You're the parent. They are not your peer. This isn't a democracy. So you validate 
and you listen and you let them express how they feel, but that doesn't mean you're changing what you're doing and it doesn't mean you need to have a 20-minute discussion about it. You know, so again, it's like there is there's a happy medium between kind of these extremes. And remembering too that you're doing things during the day to fill their cup and make sure they know how loved and appreciated they are. So when it is bedtime or it's nap time, you don't need to worry like, well, maybe they really like miss me and maybe, you know, they're really sad. Well, they might be frustrated, but if you've taken time to set firm boundaries, to show them how much you love them when they're awake, then it's okay to be like, now it's time to sleep, you know? And I think the final kumbaya of this podcast, this thought, I listened to another podcast. If you haven't heard it, heard of it, it's called The World's First Podcast. I absolutely love it. It's with the Foster sisters, um, Sarah and Aaron Foster. They had a rabbi on, rabbi leader, and he he said something that really stuck with me that I think like every single parent in the world, this will resonate with you. Instead of trying to right every wrong from your own childhood and obsessing over you not achieving that, our job is to leave our kids a little bit better than we were left. A little bit. Our great-grandparents did their best with our grandparents. Our grandparents did their best with our parents for what for what was in their toolkit. Our parents did their best with us based on what was within their toolkit. And your toolkit is a little bit different. The best thing you can do is to add a little bit more than what you had, to do a little bit better. And hopefully in the next generation, our kids will do a little bit better than we did. And if that's what you're doing, if you're focusing on doing a little bit better, you're doing a lot. You're doing the best you can. And I also think my last final, final kumbaya is if you care, if you're thinking about it, if you're trying to make sleep improvements, if you're considering something like working with a sleep consultant or buying a sleep course, you're doing great. Okay. DCFS is not going to the house of somebody who's sleep training. Okay. They're not. You're doing great. Okay. I hope that gave you some Wednesday therapeutic. Uh, I don't know what guys. It's, it's been a long week. Love you. I'll see you next week. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.